Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined as always by my good buddy Nick. What's going on, man? Hey Cam, what's up? Uh, not much. You know, it's a Sunday night. I find myself chatting with you yet again about your your true love, the sport of baseball. Lauren Coates. Oh, yes, baseball. Uh, you know, you said it, not me. Um, so when she listens to this and gets mad at you, it's all on you, buddy, not me. Actually, hey, I said Lauren Coates first. Yeah. You're the one that said my true love was baseball, so I had to correct you. I tried some reverse psychology there and it didn't work. But then you also it you did, also did not you work. also agreed with me. So Anyways, uh, after I corrected your mistake, <laughs> let the record show. Yes, let the record show that Nick loves his wife. All right. And for the record, apparently so do I. I love my wife. I don't know if it's good that she has to ask me sometimes if she, if I do love her more than baseball, which of course is ridiculous, but 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 she's asking. Maybe that's a sign. That's a sign for me. I don't think that's a maybe, Nick. I think <laughs> All right, is this is this a marriage podcast or is this is this Mendoza? This line? is Mendoza line and it's episode 32 and we are back after a week off and uh we've got real baseball to talk about, which is exciting. It's amazing. It's the winter is completely over. It was 80 degrees here today. And it's going to be a long time until winter comes again. So I, I couldn't be in a better mood than I am right now. All right. Well, so hopefully my voice portrays that. But yes. Yes. Well, before we get to, uh, well, we're going to start with some real baseball. Then we're going to get to some awards that we haven't gotten to yet. And then we're going to get back to real baseball. So it's going to be a, uh, an award sandwich, as it were. Why don't you lead us off, man? Hey, bada, 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 so wing, bada. Sounds good. So what's the count this week's edition? So we got a ball coming in here, ball one. The Red Sox, everyone's getting sick. Did you read about this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did because half of them are on my fantasy team, and my fantasy team is terrible this week. Well, it's just one week, so long season. So we get we get scored on fourteen categories for offense and pitching. Uh I am O thirteen and one this week. Oh. Thirteen losses and one tie. Not a not a good start to the year. No, it's pretty bad. But uh so the Red Sox, yeah. So they I think they had six guys get the flu. Uh of which Andrew Benintendi played with it and puked during the sixth inning against the Tigers. <laughs> That's that's a nasty flu, and the uh, the clubhouse would be a bad situation for the flu to be in. Yeah, that close of proximity. Well, and that's why so many guys got it. But then also Jackie Bradley hurt his knee, and yes, so and also Xander Bogarts is on bereavement leave, right? Yeah, so they're pretty much missing half their team. Yeah. So, yeah, they just can't really catch a break to start the year, much like my fantasy team. But, you know, their problems are real. Mine aren't, at least in this, in this context. I have real problems, but we won't talk about those. <laughs> what I think we see here is some team did not get their flu shots this winter. Uh, I got my flu shot and proceeded to get sick four times in the next two months. So, I don't know. Coincidence? I'm not sure. We're really touching on some hot hot button issues in this, yeah should we talk about politics episode. next yeah i think we just i think that's the one we haven't we talked about 
Vaccinations? Should we talk about that one too? No, because I don't want Martin to write in. But yeah, they they hopefully are on the mend. They um they lost the or they beat the Tigers today. They lost the first two. But yeah, I, I remember I think I watched part of the game yesterday, and did not recognize most of their lineup. Thinking, wasn't this lineup supposed to be stacked? And then yes, found out that they were sick. A lot of them were sick. So hopefully they'll they're going to get better soon. But that's a tough way to start the year. Trying to keep all of your fluids in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, escaping fluids is never fun. Baseball is hard enough. We've talked about this before. Yeah, let alone doing it whilst puking. Uh, so yeah, so I'm sure the Red Sox will bounce back to win the NL or the, the NL. Oh my gosh, the AL East. Uh, but yeah, rough start to the season that I don't think a lot of us. I mean, you can't really predict in any situation injuries or sickness, right? That just, just you just can't predict baseball. Uh, that's what that's what they say. Except for us picking the Cubs to win the World Series last oh, year. Oh, clearly. I mean, anyways. Uh, so strike one. I just I gotta say I remember I was flashing back to last year when the Reds were five and one after their first six games, but the Reds are four and two. They took two of three from both the Phillies and the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals on the road, the first time they've won a series in St. Louis since 2011. So that was pretty amazing. My phone just went off randomly right there. That was weird. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you right now, Siri. But yeah, St. Louis, they did not look very good, especially defensively. They kind of looked like a little league team out there, which brought my heart great joy and satisfaction. <laughs> And seeing them put Mike Adams in left field for the past two games, I almost was offended that they thought that they could do that and be successful. But beyond uh, yesterday's game in which our pitching decided to watch to walk 12 batters oh my. and lose to a 10-4 loss, we um, took care of business on Friday and today uh, with shutouts in both games, uh, including an 8 to nothing win today with uh, our ace, Scott Feldman, shutting down those Cardinals, those dirty Cardinals today. So, And also, one of the uh, hot, hot uh, players in our discussion in the recent past, Amir Garrett, with a great six-inning debut against the Cardinals on Friday night, which was really encouraging to see. So hopefully he's able to keep that up. But it always does my heart good, Cam, to beat the Cardinals it's become a more regular occurrence in the past two years, especially since we've been bad. But yeah, the Cardinals are not looking too good this year. I don't, I can't remember if I picked them on the wild card. I, I think I did to win the second one, just because. I don't know. They always win, but maybe this is the year that they actually are a somewhat normal team and have some struggles that a uh, devil magic we've talked about before has run out. Well, I don't want to burst your little uh, bubble of glee here, but it's only one week. Oh, I know. I'm fully aware of that. Okay, I just, you know, maybe but, slow your roll a little bit on this whole. <laughs> but the uh, the Cardinals played with their, their starters, and we faced their ace today, Carlos Martinez, and did pretty well against them, so... Not as much. I, I'm fully aware that the Reds are not making the playoffs this year. I'm more concentrating on the Cardinals 
not looking very good. And in no way will they be able to compete with the Cubs this year. I just, unless they make some drastic changes, I just don't see it happening. But Michael Waka did look pretty good on Saturday. That's their one hope for maintaining some some semblance of respectability if if they have Waka and Martinez as their, their two decent starters. But Wainwright, I mean, that's a guy that is getting older and his stuff. We'll see if it comes back. But, I mean, they're pitching. They don't really have much there. And they're... Their offense is decent, but their defense, bad. Every time someone says Michael Walker's name, I think of Fozzie Bear, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Definitely got a text from my dad today that said Waka Waka Waka. Mm-hmm. See, me and your dad, top-notch senses of humor. Also, very handsome men, so. I was never a big uh, Sesame Street guy, but. Or, wait, Muppets. They're the Muppets, right? Fozzie Bear? Yeah, he's a Muppet. Yeah. Yeah, I never got big into the Muppets, but... But anyways, encouraging start for the Reds. They were also started 5-1 last year and then proceeded to have the second worst record on baseball. So my expectations are tempered, but I was encouraged a lot by Amir Garrett, Brandon Finnegan. Our hitting has been uh, very consistent. So a lot of our young guys are producing, so just hopefully they're going to have their ups and downs, but especially Finnegan, he was amazing against the Phillies in his first start, seven innings, nine strikeouts, only one walk, one hit, and he looked really good. He had actually gained a couple miles an hour on his fastball from last year, so whatever he did this winter looks like it's going to have some positive effects on the season, but if he can, if he maintains that velocity and throws strikes, he, uh, he could have a really good season. So we'll see about the other starters, get some of our starters healthy, and maybe we'll be respectable this year. But yeah, it was encouraging. It was been it was fun for me to watch the Reds be somewhat successful this season. So hopefully they don't go off a cliff like they did last year. But yeah, off to a good start. So strike two. I uh I noticed this today. Tim Tebow. You remember remember that guy? Yeah. Used to sling the old uh pigskin around the yard. That's in a stretch. <laughs> Yeah, he's already got two home runs in the minor leagues. So in the first four games that he's played, he has two home runs. What do you think about that? I think that sets him on pace for a crap ton of home runs. That's what I think. It does. He, They were talking about when he when he did his workout or trout or whatever, that he actually had a, a decent amount of power in his bat. That's not surprising. The man is built. Yeah, he's, he's not he's little. He's, he is a... He's a tall, stacked, muscular man. There's never been a question about that. So in his first three games, he's got he has 13 at-bats. He's got three hits, which is a 231 average. He's got one walk, five strikeouts. Yep, so that's yep. pretty high. There's the, there's the number. Pretty high strikeout rate there. You're uh, pushing close to 40%. But uh, yeah, two home runs, five RBIs. So... It's it's hilarious. I mean, he's he's 29 years old. He's playing in low A, which is mostly 20-year-olds. Those are the kids that were either drafted out of high school last year, had success, um, or you're you're talking about a lot of times, you know, juniors in college. You know, so you're you're looking at from 19 to probably 22-year-olds, and he's 29. So it's a great story. 
great coverage for a minor league baseball. But I thought I thought it was interesting. He's got two home runs already, so he's not as you know putrid as you know quitting within the first two weeks of his season. But it'll be interesting to see how his season ends up uh, playing out. I think he'll be just just fine. That strikeout number is is alarming. But there's a lot of guys. In, and I'm not saying he's going to make the majors. I highly ever doubt that he actually will. Uh, he's a million times better at baseball than I am. That's for sure. But that doesn't guarantee him anything because I suck at baseball. Um, but th- there's a, you know, in recent memory, guys in the majors that strike out a ton. And it's either home run or strikeout, you know. Um, so it's not like he's the first player that's a power hitter with a lower average and a high strikeout ratio. It's, you know. It is what it is. Yeah, we'll see a month out. That strikeout percentage is unsus like there's no way that he could ever have success at even double A with the forty percent strikeout rate in low A. Oh yeah, for sure. But we'll see. It was an interesting note. Indeed. All right, ball ball two, so that the count is even. So we got a few unfortunate injuries here. You referenced um Michael Brad or John Michael Bradley. John Bradley Jr. <laughs> Michael Bradley Jr.? Wow. Michael Bradley Jr.? Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> he is hurt for the Red Sox. It's been a couple weeks, oh, man. Rusty. We, we know our baseball. Woo, we know our baseball. Yeah, the two other big ones uh, from this week, Gary Sanchez for the Yankees, their big catching um, prospect last year, had a great season. They slotted him in the the, the two hole at the beginning of the year. He's he struggled a little bit, but yeah, he's hurt, so he might be out for a few weeks. That'll be a big blow for them, offensively and as they their catcher. Um. So, it's the Yankees. You know they've they've had a ton of rough luck in their history, so it's tough to, or it's easy to feel sorry for them. You know, hopefully they their fortunes turn around soon. But also Trey Turner, my guy. The uh, the guy that I think is going to have a really good year this year pulled up a lame around in third base yesterday. So they were a lot more pessimistic yesterday than they were today. Seems to be more of a, a hamstring cramp due to cold weather. So I think he might only be out a few days. But it's always unfortunate to see the young guys, up-and-comers, suffer injuries early on in the year before they can really even get settled into the routine of the year. So hopefully... And um, Trey Turner's case, he's back within the week. Gary Sanchez, it will be a few weeks. But it's always unfortunate to see injuries to good young players this early in the season. But hopefully they'll be on the mend soon. Yeah, I, th- I think it's especially good that Turner is only going to be out for a few days. Like That could have really um, hurt Washington early in the season, you know. Uh, not only on the field, but kind of, you know, just mentally like, oh, because he's such a young, bright player with, you know, so much promise that it's never good when they go down. Uh, I'm I, I'm actually the most concerned because um, I read I read about Sanchez, I read about Turner, um, but Michael Bradley Jr. I mean, Boston's going to be fine. They've got depth, but he had... It's Jackie. It's Jackie Bradley Jr., by the way. What? I don't know why. Oh, I'm thinking of Michael Brantley. Okay. Yeah. I so we both why. sucked at that one. I know I know a few John Michaels that go to school here, and for whatever reason, I said those names. But Jackie Bradley Jr. <laughs> that's his name. Oh Lord, have mercy! 
we just totally botched that, didn't we? You know, in our in our history of, you know, we're very open that we are, in, we're fallible human beings. We make mistakes, but we have we haven't made too many of those in the past. So we'll fully own up to that. Yeah, yeah, that was a uh, that was a joint mess up, but it's okay. Let's move on because guess what, Nick? Strike three, baseball's back. Yes, I am so excited to be able to talk about real baseball. I mean, doing the predictions is fun, but being able to actually watch it, come home from work, put it on the, the TV, it's just, it feels good. So, yeah, strike three. We're, we're off and rolling for a, the 2017 school, or school year <laughs> baseball season. It's been, a, it's been a tough few weeks of work, so. But this has been great. This has been a great outlet, so. I cannot hit curveball. Straight ball, I hit it very much. Curveball. That's all, free. Let's move on. We we had planned to do some uh, predictions, more predictions for the 2017 season last week, but we got a little life happens. We had to, to nix that, but we wanted to make sure to get these in before the season got too long. So we, we had done this last year as well, predicting the, the MVPs in both leagues, Cy Young Award winners, and Rookies of the Year that we'll be able to look back at the end of the year and see... Yeah, see how well we did. So last year, I I remember picking Chris Archer as the AL Cy Young. I was a little off on that. You know, he didn't have the worst year in the world, but he did not live up to the expectations. So I'm going to try to do a little bit better on my predictions. But yeah, I'm excited to to hear what uh, who you think is going to win the AL and NL Cy Young Well, and MVP. All right. Are we going to start with Cy Young? Yeah, let's start with Cy Young. All right, I'm going to stick with my my homeboy who got majorly gypped last year in the... And Kate Upton let us know. Well, that. and I chose to use my words a little more carefully than she did. <laughs> but Justin Verlander, uh, Duke can pitch. And he is... He lost it for a little bit, but then he got it back. Mm-hmm. And he pitched great last year, and I have every reason to believe that he will pitch well this year. And if he does, um, you know, I think it's just a sign that the Tigers are going to try and compete for a playoff spot. Not sure they'll make it, but I just, I mean, you look at, there's a lot of other good pitchers in the American League. Um, but it doesn't seem to me like the National League where there's those two or three guys that are just far better, which we'll get to, you know, in a little bit when we talk about the NL side. There's a lot of good pitchers in the American League, and a lot of stuff I saw was like, oh, Chris Sale is going to do it. And I'm like, well, he hasn't won one yet, and he's on a better team, yes, but it's his first year in the NL East. Oh, my, I did it again in the AL East against, you know, Toronto and New York uh, and Baltimore and the 5-2 and two Tampa Rays. So... Uh, yeah, and it's always tough to move to a new team. Exactly. Because there's, there's a big adjustment period. You put a lot of pressure on yourself. Because, yeah, I had thought about Chris Sale, too. But, I mean, he, he was in that conversation last year, too. But his numbers weren't yeah. um, obviously as good as – because, I mean, Rick Rick Porcello won. So. Exactly, which is just still infuriating. Because in the role of ex-Tigers winning Cy Youngs, let's talk about Max Scherzer next. Anyways. Um, but I mean, I saw names like Corey Kluber or um, 
I can't even think of who else. He's on the Royals, and I can't remember his name right now. Which is so sad because I live in Kansas City, but uh, I just I wasn't. Oh, Duffy. Yeah, and I just there wasn't anyone in the American League that absolutely blew me away as like the outright favorite. I think there's probably five or eight guys that probably are in the running for it, and so I figured why not stick with the guy who should have won it last year and who is showing no signs at this point of, you know, being anything less than an ace. So, Yeah, he's off to a good start. So I, I went with, uh, for, I totally agree with a lot of what you said. It was, there's definitely not... Whereas some of these other awards, there's it's almost like I need to pick someone else just to be contrarian. Where the AL Cy Young, I think there are a ton of pitchers that could win this award this year. So I went with you, Darvish, as a bit of a risky, we'll see what he can do over a course of a full season again since he had a abbreviated one last year coming back from Tommy John surgery. But I just picked him because he this is a guy that was just so dominant when he first came over. And just hoping that he's fully healthy again. I think a lot of people have forgotten how good he is. How many he's got four, five different pitches that he can use, uh, manipulates. He's got some nasty stuff. He does pitch in a tough pitching environment down in Texas. Um, so we'll see. I could be totally wrong on this one again. It could be a guy that he struggles to find his consistency, his command, and he, you know has a mid three ZRA, but I think with his strikeout potential and the way that Texas is going to really lean on him this year, like that's a guy that they're going to, they're going to be as good as he is. I think he's going to lead their pitching staff. So I really like your Verlander pick, but I'm glad that I went a little bit different and I'm going to go with Darvish. Fair enough. It's, you know, it is what it is. We shall see. Uh, National league. I went with, Mr. Syndergaard from the New York Mets. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's Kershaw's, you know, uh, award to lose. Um, but Kershaw got hurt last year. And yeah, back injuries linger. And yep. And especially in pitchers, like once you're, you're rarely the same when you come back. Now it's not Tommy John, but the course of the baseball season and the rigors that a starting pitcher like Kershaw goes through, you you just never know. And uh, I read, I was reading through some stuff and someone commented that, that Syndergaard's pitching stuff was as majestic as his hair, which just made me laugh out loud uh, as I read it. Um, so again, I mean, you've got Kershaw, you've got Madison Bumgarner and you've got Syndergaard that I think are all pretty much, the top guys in that league. Um, and again, it's, it's my Dodger bias coming in that I just think that they always get hurt and they always choke. Um, now that's more like the team and the playoffs and everything. Um, Kershaw is obviously incredible and is, you know, probably the best pitcher of his generation. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go out, uh, on a really, really sturdy, strong limb, and say that Syndergaard <laughs> is probably going to win it. Yeah, Ooh, I mean, that's... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really betting on a dark horse there. Um, that's crazy talk, Cam. Well, you know, I, I am the loony one of the, the pair of us. Well, I, I think hands down, if Kershaw's healthy, he will win the Cy Young. But I'm, I'm tired of picking him because he went, He's going to win it every year that he's healthy. So I went a little 
off the the path too, and chose uh, the aforementioned Madison Bumgarner as my pick this year. I think he this is a year for him to put it all together, and again, I just am so impressed by his consistency and just how many innings that guy can throw and just never seemingly have to deal with arm issues and he's just always good he always seems tough to hit with that funky motion that he has and the Giants I mean that park the NL East um, as long as he doesn't have too many starts and coolers I think that he's going to have just a really amazing year and I think the again the Giants are going to lean on him to um, have success this year him and Cueto so, yeah, I went with Bumgarner. Um, again, not too crazy of a pick. But, um, yeah, if it's not going to be Kershaw, then I like the odds of this of this either being Bumgarner or um, Cindergaard. Two really good young pitchers that, I mean, they've been around for a while, I guess. Bumgarner a little bit longer, but they're, they've got some nasty stuff. All right, two things real quick. I think he said NL East again instead of NL West, so I'm sorry that I've jinxed us both for that. I really <laughs> feel like a total idiot for that. Yes, the spacious NL West parts yes. is what I was thinking. Yes, and uh, secondarily, does Madison Bumgarner take part in the Home Run Derby this All-Star weekend? Goodness gracious. I I want I him wish. to. I want him to. I mean, what's yeah, there, part of me what's there to lose? Is, what's there to lose? Is his opening day start in which not only did he pitch an amazing game, but he smashed two home runs. I think he was the first pitcher to be leading the league in home runs after the first day since some guy in like the early 1900s. I'm sure I read that stuff somewhere, but that guy is a really good baseball player all around. Indeed, indeed. All right. Let's do MVP. MVP. I can go first on this one. So in the AL, I, and again, Mike Trout, he's, it's ridiculous. He's still like, how old is he, 24? So he's still getting better. So if he's healthy, he's probably going to win again. But I wanted to go off the beaten path a little bit, and I picked Francisco Lindor because... I think that he all, he is also improving, and not that he's not a an unknown quant- entity because of the World Series last year. I think a lot of people saw how he you know led the Indians through the playoffs, had a good World Series, and I think he's he came up as a a lot of people thought that this is an amazing shortstop who's going to be just such a valuable asset defensively that whatever he hits is going to be just an added bonus and. He has come up and just hit the cover off the ball and has done an amazing job in that sense. So I think this is a guy that playing on a good team like he is, the de- defensive value that he produces at the one of the more valuable positions um, on the baseball diamond and having a full year again to be able to hit um, this is a guy that I think can very easily sneak in there and grab the MVP, especially if the Indians are successful again. Because, I mean, this is a guy that um, hit 300 um, and got on base at a 358 clip last year as a 22-year-old in his first full season. 
played 158 games, which is pretty incredible. Only missed four the whole year. Um, had 15 home runs, 78 ribbies, and uh, 19 stolen bases. So I think he's going to improve on those counting stat numbers, and I think he's going to hit over 300 again. So what an amazing asset to have as a 23-year-old. Um, just really valuable um, shortstop on the Indians. and So yeah, I think he could definitely be in that discussion this year. Um, if he if he improves those numbers and defensively he's right there and the Indians are good, he's going to be right there. So I'll, I'll pick Lindor. I like everything about Francisco Lindor except for the fact that he plays for the Indians. I know, I know. Um, so I, you know, I picked Mike Trout because, uh, you know, it's his until someone else decides or probably until someone Tanya Harding's him and takes his knee out. <laughs> uh, frankly, he's just, He's that good, and and I mean, I realize that the uh, the Angels are five and two right now, um, but they're not going to be good, and I feel like they're just wasting his talent, kind of like the Tigers have wasted Miguel Cabrera, um, and so it makes me sad that you know his talent is being wasted on a subpar team, but he's just he's incredible, and uh, Lindor could win it, uh, Mookie Betts could win it, um. You know, there's uh, Manny Machado, who's only 24, by the way. I had no idea he was that young. He feels like he's been around for a long time. Forever, I know. And he's only 24. Um, and he's actually a shortstop, but he's playing out of position at third. So, you know, good for him. Um, so, like, there are other people that could win it. And Lindor is, you know, one of those. But, you know, again, until Mike Trout's decides he doesn't want to win it, it's it's his award. Um, you know, Cabrera won it one year where everyone thought Mike Trout should have won it. Um, and I think it was because Cabrera was on a better team that he got it. Um, but last year, Mike Trout won the MVP and he was on a terrible team. And so my hope is that for this award, the MVP award, and for the Cy Young award, it doesn't matter what team you play for. They are, indiv- they are individual awards. The voters have gotten better about that, and I think Trout winning last year is a evidence of that. Because, I mean, I, I was thinking historically, yeah, a lot of times players would not be even that discussion if they were not on a winning team, which was unfortunate. It's like the voting for the Heisman in college football. It's like, well, he's on a terrible team, so he can't win the Heisman. It's an individual award. It has nothing to do with how bad your team is. Now I get you brought the, a guy playing in the – uh, Sunbelt Conference is probably not going to win the Heisman because the conference as a whole is not good. He's not playing top-notch competition. But that's a judgment on the conference, not on his team, right? And so I never understood why, well, this guy's got really good MVP numbers, but he's, on an, he's not on a playoff team, so he's not going to win the MVP. It doesn't matter. It's the most valuable player, not the most valuable player on a playoff team. I never understood that logic at all. And so I'm glad that Mike Trout won it last year on a really bad team. Like, let's set that pr- – it doesn't matter. He's incredible. He had an amazing year. Give the man the award. Oh, I think you're trying to right now. No, but I, just, I, just, I don't get it. And anytime someone's like, well, he's on a bad team for the Heisman or for, you know, Pro Bowl voting or, you know, that doesn't count. No one cares about the Pro Bowl. But, uh, you know, like, <laughs> I don't understand why being on a good team makes your individual stats better. 
If anything, if you're on a crappy team, especially in baseball, when they don't have to pitch to you and you still have those numbers, that should speak even louder about how good you are. When you're not protected by three other people that are really, really, really good all-stars. All about the narrative. Oh, There's no narrative. That's stupid. Stories aren't stupid. Um, what I'm saying is, is covering up a MVP season by saying they're on a bad team is, is just it's poor logic, and it doesn't make sense. So, Fun fact, Tanner Roark got finished in the 10th place in the NL Cy Young voting last year. That is hilarious. <clears throat> behind a <laughs> behind Scherzer, Lester, Hendricks, Bumgarner, Kershaw, Cueto, Fernandez, Syndergaard, Arietta, Roark. One one of these things does not belong. <laughs> All right. So moving on to NL MVP. So I I I went the safe route here and figured that the reigning MVP from last year, who plays on one of the best teams and still is only turning 25 this year. Chris Bryant is going to have a pretty good chance of um, winning that award again. And I really don't have much more to say than that as other than he is really good and he's going to be haunting my dreams in the NL Central for a very long time. Fair enough. I uh, also think Chris Bryant has a very good shot. But I think there's some other people that might challenge him for that. Uh, Nolan, Ar- wait, what? Are you going to pick a Dodger for this? Don't, don't judge me, Nick. Wow. I'm trying to be impartial here, buddy. It's hard, but I'm trying. Uh, I was going to say Nolan Arenado. I think has an outside shot, especially playing at home at Coors Field. Um, but my choice is the uh, he's gonna he's gonna pull the. Be Chris Bryant. He's going to win Rookie of the Year, and then the next year he's going to win MVP, and that's going to be Corey Seager uh, of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I love Corey Seager. Dude's got some skills. He does, and he's he's already off to a good start this year too. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, obviously Chris Bryant's on a better team, uh, and Chris Bryant's an absolute stud. Uh, but, you know, in your – vein of picking the non-obvious choice I chose Corey Seager because I think it'd be really cool if you had Bryant go Rookie of the Year MVP and then Seager go Rookie of the Year MVP. That'd be a fun little narrative for all of the media to talk about every single time they're ever on television. I mean, Corey Seager did finish third in voting last year, so it's not like, yeah, he he's not known by that. Well, I'm I'm, I think I'm again. I'm not picking Roark, so you know I'm trying to stay yeah, safe. Exactly. I mean, you're you're picking a guy that has already established himself as a stud major leaguer at a very, um, you know, playing shortstop, the, the tough position on the, you know a team like the Dodgers who have the highest of expectations, expect to be. And uh, obviously in the playoffs and the World Series contenders with the highest payroll in all of Major League Baseball. It would be to be a rookie and to obviously win the Rookie of the Year and to be third in the NL MVP voting. Yeah, he's, he's a good baseball player. So I'm rooting for him. And if he wins, he absolutely deserves it. <clears throat> so, yeah, we are, we'll finish up here with the Rookie of the Year. And I think we both agree that this is pretty – it's one of those – 
if you could take these guys or the field, I think I would take these guys because anything can happen, injuries or whatever, but these are guys that started off the seasons on the, the major league roster and these their respective teams are depending on them pretty heavily already. Um, and I think that both of them have immense talent as well. So I'll talk about um, our AL picks because we both picked the same and then maybe you could talk about the NL. Yeah. So we both picked uh, Andrew Benatendi to be the American League Rookie of the Year, which, you know, going into the year, he's the number one prospect, ranked prospect in baseball by uh, MLB.com and Baseball America. So, you know, consensus-wise, he's he's a guy that's already showed it last year, um, having a really good season in the, the short amount of time that he was there. So him getting hurt is the only reason that he still even has rookie eligibility. Um, so he's, I think he's already exhausted that. So um, he'll be a rookie. Obviously, this will be the last year that he's considered a rookie, but he almost was, wasn't already considered a rookie. It's just a weird quirk in the rules. But he uh, he's good, and I'm very. it's one of those rich getting richer with the Red Sox. Like They, they didn't need another young stud. Uh, player to come up offensively there they've got plenty of those but he's just going to add to that um so yeah and i expect him to hit the top of their lineup their very potent lineup all year and be a big part of their their push for the pennant yeah he's uh he's gonna be pretty good i would like to take this brief moment to say that uh <clears throat> both these guys are on my fantasy team so pick it up boys i got my butt kicked this week now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, for the NL, Nick and I both chose Dansby Swanson of the Atlanta Braves. Um, now, there's been, you know, chatter, and mainly it's because my buddy Jacob is a huge Braves fan, that the Braves are going to be good this year, and I just kind of laugh at him, uh, especially as I sit there at 1-5 and five right now. Uh, they are still in rebuild mode, but Dansby Swanson is the future for that club. Uh, play shortstop. He has got, uh, according to everything I've read and seen, all the tools you could ever need, um, defensively and offensively. And he did get some, much like Benintendi last year, he got uh, some major league experience and uh, did very well for himself. But again, didn't didn't cross that threshold, so he's still considered a rookie. Uh, I think he hit 300 last year, um, and he's got some power. I mean, he's not, you know, Adam Dunn, but he's a shortstop. So you got to you gotta give a little weight and height to be able to play that position. Um, and I'm just excited to see how a young guy like him handles the burden of being the face of a historically playoff-bound team. I mean, they made the, the playoffs for, what, 20 straight years? During the Bobby Cox, you know, John Smoltz, yeah, Glavin, like they were just perennially good. They won their division like 12 straight years. Yeah. And they've been really bad in recent years. And so I think it's a lot of pressure for a young guy at shortstop, too, um, to handle. And I'm just, I'm interested to see how he handles it. And again, everything I've read and seen says that this, this guy is the real deal. Um, yeah. Everyone talks about how amazing his baseball makeup is which is another word of saying that he 
can handle the pressure and he's he's just all about baseball you don't have to worry about him doing something stupid or anything like that so yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what he does and yeah the Braves aren't going to be very good this year but I think he'll be a big part of their um, re- return to relevancy probably not this year though <laughs> probably not this year but they will be better than they were last year too they're kind of in a similar position as the Reds and they got Bartolo Colon pitching for him now too. Oh Big baby, sexy. <laughs> he's still decent, and he's like forty thousand years old. But <clears throat> all right, so we'll uh, we got our awards, um, our preseason all all American type awards out in the air. So we'll see how we do there. So we'll, we'll just move on to our main topic today. Just a few observations, things we're going to take away from this first, first week. As Cam mentioned, it's a very, very small sample size, so we're not, we're not making any de- determinations here or, or saying anyone has had a failed season at this point, but we don't have much to go off of. So, so yeah, let's have some fun with it. So the first week, just looking at the stats, I think it's impressive. we got a couple guys here. George Springer and Salvador Perez, um, who have four home runs in the first week, which is pretty impressive, especially for Perez. It's a guy we talked about a few weeks ago. Is he got hurt in a World Baseball Classic by his backup. But Salvador says, no, Jubiter, you cannot have my starting spot. I'm going to go ahead and hit four home runs this week and catch every game. So impressive uh, and start for those guys. I think George Springer's have been all solo shots. Um, three of them to lead off the game. So, so yeah, they're off to a good start. Uh, JT Real Muto, he's the catcher for the Marlins. He's at this point, I know they're playing right now, but before the game, he was hitting 556 to start the week. So he's he's gotten off to a really good start. And then just a few teams I thought that oh, was interesting that have gotten off to the start that they have. I think the Orioles were a team that we knew were going to be competing this year so they're off to a good start they're four and one although they only have a plus one run differential which is interesting yeah they've won some close won some close games there that's not sustainable not sustainable but the twins the uh the worst team of baseball last year are five and one off to a good start there and then like you said too the angels are five and two had a big comeback win today scored seven runs in the ninth to beat the mariners so we got three division leaders there that I don't I don't know if we would have said at the beginning of the year that we would have ex- expected them to lead the division at any point of the year, um, especially the Twins, a, a game and a half clear of the Tigers in the Central. And then in the NL, it's a little bit more clumped together, but the Diamondbacks are off to a good start here. They've won five in a row and are currently 6-1, and one, so definitely not expecting them to maintain that, but definitely think it's notable um they uh they started the year off against the the indians and giants so those are two pretty good teams and they're off to a good start any uh observations for you yeah uh salvador perez his four home runs all solo shots as well impressive and a little selfish (laughs) yeah i it's just weird two dudes with four home runs in a week all solo shots very very uh unusual um yeah, I I am 
thoroughly surprised though that Arizona is six and one. I mean, they were they were not good last year. I mean, nor Minnesota. They're five and one. So like, I th- this is what screams to me one week. It's only been one week. It's only been one week. You know, the fact that teams like this are on top of the division and teams like Toronto are one and five. You know, Seattle is, yeah. and we're going to get to those here in in a little bit when we talk about the reverse of of you know our fast starts. Yeah, obviously, while the Twins, you know, they they beat the Royals and White Sox, which are not, you know, the Royals are definitely on the downturn, but the Diamondbacks did beat the Giants and Indians. Like those are two good teams. So mm-hmm. I mean, it is one week, but this we definitely do want to note that that's impressive. They swept the Indians. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that's not going to be a team at the end of the year that's going to be still in competition. But um, I think offensively, they're going to they're going to put up some runs and they're going to be in it. Well, I mean, Greenkey is he has looked much better than he did last year. Shelby Miller had a much better start than he did last year. Corbin's been a little bit better. So they, they've got some guys that have just come off terrible seasons. Um, but they they have whole new management now, probably a different ad you know mindset attitude. So, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, but yeah, impressive first week for the Diamondbacks. All right, so those were our fast starts. We got a few slow starts though, and we mentioned some of those here going, uh, or just in that previous segment. But some teams that are, well, they're not looking so hot after the first week. Um, the uh, Texas Rangers. Two and four. Yeah, they and they won today, so previously they were one and four. Those are all home games, too. They haven't been on the road yet. Yeah, they got swept by the Indians uh, to start the year. Um, some pretty brutal games there. The Their uh, closer gave up a big lead in one of those. And, yeah, the Indians kind of just scrapped together, and um, it wasn't like... They were badly pitched games or anything, but the Indians just weird. Baseball is weird sometimes. The Indians got off to such a hard start, hot start, and then they go to the Diamondbacks and get swept. You just you just don't know. But they did come back and took two or three from the Athletics. But I think that's a team that's going to be there. Um, they're going to rebound a little bit with the with the Astros that we've talked about. But yeah, so that makes the Indians zero and six in their last six games against National League opponents, doesn't it? It does. Ooh, World they Series blew, burn. Oh. They blew the uh, three-run <laughs> leads. Yes, the three-one three, lead. Three game, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Other teams that are doing terrible, as already mentioned, Toronto is a one and five. All road games, but still one and five. Not a great way to start. And the Seattle Mariners are even worse at one and six. Again, all road games, but still, yikes. Not great. Yeah, I. Uh, they were one of my wild card teams this year. So I, I I guess I cursed them like the Astros last year got off to such a bad start, you know, expecting to contend. But they, it's been a brutal, not only losing like they have six out of seven, but um, blowing a seven-run lead today, and then they lost a, a one-one game last night, and they lost a thirteen-inning game to the Astros, their third game, and then they. Lost. So they've, they've lost some close ones. They blew some big leads, lost an extra inning game. So it's been a rough start for the Mariners. I, I still like their team. I still like Felix. 
I like James Paxton, Iwakuma, so I like their bullpen. They've got a good lineup, but they, they need to recover here. They can't let it get to like 2-10 and 10 or anything like that. They need to get back to 500 soon or else they're going to get left behind by the Astros and Rangers. Yeah, and the last team on our yikes what happened list is the San Francisco Giants. Two and five, man. Yeah, we talked about the the Diamondbacks are a big reason for that. But they've they haven't had a ton of success against the Padres either. Which is funny because San Diego's not good at all. No, San Diego will probably they might be my pick for the worst team. Just because have you looked at their rotation? It's bad. Well, I was talking to, again, my buddy Jacob, who's the big Braves fan, and he said it's the first time in his life where he's looked at a major league roster and not known a single player on the team, <laughs> which I thought was just yeah. like, oh, my gosh. that's Well, they, they still have Will Myers and Margot and Renfro are you know, prospects that some people might know, but their rotation right now um, yeah, currently is Tre- Trevor Cahill. Um, Jared Weaver, Luis Perdomo, Shasin, and Clayton Richard. So you're talking about Cahill, Weaver, and Richard are got washed up starters who have failed multiple times to be starters. Perdomo was a Rule Five pick they just kept in the the roster the whole year last year, but he obviously was not ready. hasn't really He's got some good stuff, but hasn't shown any level of consistency yet. And then Chassin, I have, I love baseball, and I just couldn't really tell you much about him. He's just been very average his whole year, his whole career. So that's their current starting pitching, and I don't really know if they have any like any. They don't really have any like good prospects that they're waiting to come up or anything like that. So I would be pretty shocked if they're not top one or two in the draft next year, as far as worst teams. Yeah, that's that's looking pretty promising. Uh, and then in our show notes, Nick, he only pulled out one player that's having a rough start to the season. <laughs> only one of the hundreds upon hundreds of players in Major League Baseball, Miguel Cabrera. Well, I thought I thought it was pretty notable that Miguel Cabrera was 0, 0 for twelve to start his season, the longest hitless streak of his entire career. Well, I will have you know, he got two hits today. He did. So, so he's batting a mighty 118 right now, which puts him firmly below the Mendoza line. So Yes. That has not happened many times in Miguel Cabrera's career. But it's funny, they showed the graphic that showed that he was enduring the longest hitless stretch of his career, and then right after that he laced a single into right field, which I thought was appropriate. So yeah, I, I don't think there's there's much to panic about with Miguel Cabrera. He'll be fine. But I think that of all those teams that we mentioned, they they need to get it going here pretty quick if they expect to contend. Because as we saw with the Astros last year, if you get too many games under to start the year, it is a long climb back. And it, well, the season's long, but you have to go on tremendous hot streaks after that to be able to get back in the, the swing of things. So we'll see. Shall many more weeks of baseball to come. I'm excited. Indeed. We will be back next time, guys and ladies. Take care. Yeah.